For people who have sustained brain injury, the inconsistency of day to day. Yep. Just yesterday, I did the same task. And why is it today is so much easier or harder? Well, because everything in your life and lifestyle within each day is impacting the success or challenges of each thing. If yeah. we viewed it every day, day to day, it would be very hard to perceive the slight changes. But if you're empowered to pay attention to the input of each day and then pull back and zoom out and look at the progress, it's absolutely beautiful. There is always hope and you are not alone. Hi, I'm Christabel Braden, and this is my brain injury podcast, Hope Survives. Here we share information, education, and support for the brain injury community. This is an uplifting podcast to bring hope to your darkest days. As a survivor of traumatic brain injury and multiple concussions, I know what it's like to struggle to find hope. I don't want anyone to feel as alone as I did. And that's why I started my online community called Hope After Head Injury. This podcast is an extension of that, and I'd love to invite you to join along as we explore the realities of life with brain injury with messages of encouragement, interviews with doctors and professionals, and survivor stories. No matter where you're at on your journey, there is always hope. With a Hey everyone, welcome back to Hope Survives Podcast. Last week, we talked about setbacks through brain injury recovery, and I shared with you how we can find hope in the middle of those setbacks. I also shared some of the personal things that I've gone through in my recovery, so if you haven't yet heard last week's episode, make sure to go back and check that out. Now, that being said, I do have a quick announcement. We're going to take a couple weeks break here on the podcast. We have had a great season two so far, and my goal was to keep it going until I was ready to stop for season three. However, I'm going to take my own advice. <laughs> you often hear in this podcast and various episodes, we talk about the importance of balance and not pushing yourself or overwhelming yourself with your symptoms. And so I have realized that I need a bit of a break from releasing episodes. It's the summer and my family has a lot of other things planned and going on. And so with those additions to my schedule, it's hard to maintain the things that I was doing before. And so I hope that you all enjoy the summer and your family as well and the warm weather and getting outside. And so I have been finding myself sitting inside on my computer way too much. 
And it's honestly not good for my brain to just be on my computer all the time. And so I had been wrestling with this because on the one hand, I have a commitment to the community here on the podcast. And I love you all so much. And I have some great episodes already planned and recorded. However, I've realized that I've been pushing myself way too hard. And so this is an example of me learning how to make some sacrifices and not try and do everything all at once. And I hope it can be an example to you that it's okay to take breaks. You don't have to push yourself so hard all the time. It is perfectly fine to take a break and come back and pick up where you left off. Now, we are not yet ending season two, so this is going to be a short break. It'll probably just be one or two weeks, but I don't want to put an exact time limit on it. But just know it's not going to be more than a couple weeks. So these next couple weeks will give you some time to get caught up on previous episodes that you've missed or anything like that. I do want to announce July 27th is our next Zoom support group if you would like to join. So thank you for your support of Hope Survives Podcast. If you enjoy it, please go on Apple Podcasts, scroll to the bottom, and leave a review. We would love to hear a five-star review, why you like the podcast, and you can write a little bit about that. That's really helpful in increasing the awareness around what we're doing here at Hope Survives Podcast. So thanks for being a valued listener and a part of our community. Now, this week, today, we have a wonderful episode coming up with Taryn Barlow. She is a cognitive health coach. She's a speech-language pathologist, integrative nutrition health coach, and certified brain injury specialist. She's the owner of a virtual private practice called The Well Brain that combines her knowledge of cognition and brain-healthy lifestyle balance to support adults who have sustained brain injury. She also facilitates a support group with the Brain Injury Association of Massachusetts, and she supports the BIA of MA and Community Outreach. So Taryn has a lot of experience in brain injury. She's wonderful. And this is going to be a really great conversation on overstimulation and brain fog. One of my favorite things about this is talking about how do we evaluate our environment and figure out the source of what is overstimulating you. Taryn talks about what she calls sensory awareness, being aware of our senses and how that plays into getting overwhelmed. This is a great episode, whether you're a survivor or a caregiver, learning how to identify it in your loved one. I'm just really, really grateful for the way that she explains things in a very, uh, what is the word? Um, I'm try- the word that came to my mind is holistic, but that's not the word I mean. In a very um, comprehensive way. <laughs> that's what I was trying to say. Uh, she explains it very comprehensively in a way that's easy to understand. So I'm really excited about this episode. This sensation of overstimulation, I used to describe as being called as having no filter. <laughs> so it's like everything around me after a brain injury, it was just I couldn't, I couldn't function in certain environments. And it still affects me to this day, depending on how tired I am and what else is going on. So I think it's going to be a really helpful conversation. So thanks so much for being part of the Hope Survives podcast community. Join the online support groups, Hope After Head Injury. I'm so grateful for us. And we're going to keep going in brain injury support after our break this summer. So uh, thanks so much for being here. And I'll see you guys soon. I started Hope After Head Injury 10 years ago, and it has grown into a global online support community. 
You can get involved and check out more of the online resources we have available at hopeafterheadinjury.com. Connect with survivors, caregivers, and family members through our Zoom meetings, our Facebook support group, or the Brain Injury Bible Study Group. I remember what it's like to feel so alone with brain injury, and my goal with these groups is for you to know that you are not alone and to be able to connect with others going through similar circumstances. We are in this together. Now I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and remind you that this podcast is for education and informational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. If you need specific medical advice, please consult your physician. Now thanks for listening and let's get on with the show. Today, I am so excited to be here with Taryn, who is going to be talking with us about overstimulation and brain fog and all of the goodness on how to deal with that. So welcome to Hope Survives Podcast, Taryn. Thanks for coming. Hey, thank you so much, Christabel. I'm very excited to be here and also sharing with you that this is my first podcast. That's so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to have you. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. This is a topic that's like near and dear to my heart. And it's it's coming from, um, you know, a career of learning it as well as then directing it into different clients or patients or or now friends uh, worlds, because this this little land of neurology is my passion. Well, that is awesome to hear. So do you want to share a little bit about yourself and your background? Absolutely. So Taryn Barlow, who is she, right? Um, (laughs) I come from this place of loving language. Um, As a little kid, I paid attention to language. Um, I think it comes from my name. Uh, having to correct people over and over and over um, it in saying it's Taryn with a T. Um, so apparently I was doing speech pathology from like a really young age. Um, what did people think it was? They always thought it was Karen oh. with a C. Um, and I think there's an element of hearing with that. Yeah. So, so I've been wanting to be a speech language pathologist since eighth grade which is so rare to know what you want, like at such a young age. I even did a placement in uh, high school with a speech language pathologist where like I did some shadowing and helped her with material prep. Um, So I went off to school and to the University of Maine and got my undergrad um, in speech language pathology or communication science disorders. And I also had an additional focus of disability studies. So it's been part of who I am knowing that I was going to be a helper. Um, It's where my heart has always been and went on and got my master's. And then from there was working in a variety of different settings. So I've experienced speech language pathology in like across the board. Um, I ironically knew I didn't want to work with um, pediatrics. Um, I've always wanted to work with adults. And when people think of speech pathology, 
they think of, well, I talk just fine. My speech is fine. Do you work with kids? And basically none of those are what I do. (laughs) And from there, uh, I, the pandemic hit, right? And I was working in an outpatient clinic and the clinic shut down and the world as we kind of knew it changed. And I am so grateful for the place that I was in as a person um, in my marriage, in my life, uh, that I was able to come home and be with my kids who were home. And in the meantime, right before they came home, I had signed up for a certification program. So my kids were doing school from home while I was also doing school from home. And it was from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And I thought this just aligned for me because they very much speak about whole lifestyle. And in my work as a speech language pathologist, there's very much a push to be on the functional edge of what language and cognition looks like in the real world. And I've been speaking like that all along. Um, what you say in my office doesn't necessarily translate if we're not applying it to someone's real life outside of those four walls. So the Institute of Integrative Nutrition speaks about primary food, which is lifestyle based, and secondary food, which is actually the food itself. And I loved that because it's what you bring to the table and then what you put on the table and what people bring to the table from their speech and cognition needs definitely comes before what they put on the table. And that was that lifestyle combination that I saw such beauty in, in my career. And I I added an additional certification of certified brain injury specialist through the Brain Injury Association of America, um, which was just the content was my heaven. Um, I didn't mind studying at all. And it's just all of this that's happened has led to this combination of a speech language pathologist with lifestyle awareness for how speech and cognition shows up in the real world. And from that, the well brain was born, which is my virtual practice that I have titled Cognitive Health Coach. And I'm actually in the process of trademarking that because apparently I'm the first person in the world to use that term. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. I love your approach to lifestyle. I think that's really aligned with the way that I look at things and what I try to bring forth on this podcast, because, you know, you can do everything in outpatient therapy or inpatient or, you know, work with the doctors. But then once they send you off and, you know, you're not at your daily therapies anymore 
and you have a setback, what happens? Yes. It's so easy to get discouraged and lost and to just like not know what to do and feel stuck and to not know where to go. And so like that's a big part of my passion in this podcast is to equip people by filling in the gaps of because I'm a long term brain injury survivor. I'm going on 15 years later this year of having a TBI. I've had a brain injury more of my life than I haven't. Over half of my life, I've had a traumatic brain injury. And so it's like, and it, it's not just one. I had undiagnosed issues, which led to repeated injuries. Mm-hmm. And I think had a lot of these things been addressed at first, I probably would not have had so many re-injuries. And I probably would not have had the long-term life symptoms that I am currently dealing with because you know one brain injury is one thing 12 brain injuries is another thing and so like I I just try to always put these things in front of my listeners and help everyone to know like hey there are things you can do I'm still seeing improvements 14 years later and never to give up on that and lifestyle has been a huge huge part of that yeah it it's the thing like that when I was working in an outpatient setting, you know, either an insurance would stop providing service or someone had quote unquote plateaued, which I just dislike yeah. that word. Um, and I knew that I was sending people into the world who needed to function way beyond what therapy can prescribe in their home in the community, in a workspace, um, pursuing passions. And we can't create that. We can talk about it, but it's the support process that is cognitive problem solving. What does that look like in the home? What does that look like in the community? Um, Where does attention show up? How does fatigue it yeah. changed the capacity in each and all of those places. And, you know, the thing that I witness the most is for people who have sustained brain injury, the inconsistency of day to day. Just yesterday, I did the same task. And why is it today is so much easier or harder? Well, because everything in your life and lifestyle within those each day is impacting the success or challenges of each thing. It is not, if we viewed it every day, day to day, it would be very hard to perceive the slight changes. But if you're empowered to pay attention to the input of each day and then pull back and zoom out and look at the progress. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you hit on, you hit the nail on the head. I, the inconsistencies is part of what brain, it makes brain injury recovery so frustrating. It's not mm-hmm. like, you know, somebody who maybe had a physical injury. I sprained my knee. I'll just use that example. I personally sprained my knee in 2018, and that was a very linear linear recovery. I went to physical therapy, and it steadily improved, and then it was better, and that and that was it. And the brain injury, it's like you know, you could have a full week that you feel like you're doing great, 
and then your brain gets tired and then you you get slightly off your routine and then I have three weeks that I'm struggling and it's like these cycles and so the topic that I had asked for you to speak on today is overstimulation and brain fog I think there's a lot inside of that and there's a lot in that mix Um, and so where would you like to kind of land or or begin with that yeah so those those words so that overstimulation, uh, brain fog, they're wonderful. I like to like, think of them like umbrella terms. Right. Um, but really when you peek under that umbrella, like there's a lot under there. Um, and you can almost imagine this sensory world raining down onto the top of this umbrella and what is happening underneath it is your, cognitive, physical, emotional, spiritual balance. So I love this idea of sensory awareness for overstimulation. So what does that mean? There's some buzzwords right there. (laughs) So with overstimulation, the question I always ask when I hear phrases like, this is just too much, oh my goodness, I I feel totally lost in this moment. Like those are big statements because what that person is experiencing is this sensory overload. But what that means for each person is very different. So if we take, I call, I say we have six senses. So if we take, I'll stick with the traditional five to start. In our world, the visual demands of any environment are something to take stock of. It's a difference between your visual environment of every day versus, say, um, the visual environment. I was just at this place yesterday of Ikea. I don't know if anyone's ever been (laughs) to Ikea, but Ikea is this, it's almost like a circus of furniture. Um, and so visually these, these spaces are very different. So your home visual versus say like a store visual and your brain is constantly processing and perusing visually. So there's this sensory, but visual in that very same moment, you are processing the auditory. So while your eyes are taking in the sights, your ears are taking in what you hear. And again, this varies from environment to environment. When you're in your home court, in your home space, the noises are not different to you. You become accustomed to them if they're traditional house sounds. But I'll stick with that house, uh, the store analogy, the sounds of the people, or maybe they're organizing a shelf or goodness forbid, there's a fire alarm. I could send every post-concussion TBI person through a roof with that sound. And so this auditory processing is happening while you're visually scanning. The same thing is happening with your touch. Even if you're not touching something, you're having this sense of of touch. So your clothing, the temperature, 
Um, you know, if it's particularly chilly or you're more susceptible to temperature dysregulation, an environment that all of a sudden, you know, you get overheated, well, sweating, that that's, it, it's not, it could be dysregulated to the point where somebody else standing next to you does not feel the same heat that somebody who has experienced a traumatic brain injury feels. So there's the touch, sense of smell, this, there are, again, your home environment has these senses of smells that are, you're accustomed to. So you can kind of take stock, you know what to expect, but when you're out and about the sense of smell, somebody walks past you with a perfume. I mean, that is a sensory distraction. So your eyes scanning, your ears listening, your sense of smell with somebody walking past you, you don't even perceive per se that all of this is happening. I haven't even put a cognitive task in front of anyone. And if there's a, a taste, so this could be something as um, purposeful as eating, if you're consuming a snack, or more the let's say you just had a particular drink and you're almost like distracted by this flavor in your mouth, that that is something that also can pull your attention. All right, now I'm going to go to my sixth sense. Internal gut reaction, um, intuition, whatever we want to label it. It can be something as simple as internally distracted by the need to go to the bathroom or as internally, um, intuitively attentive to something feels off in, in this space. It's almost like you're perceiving um, maybe somebody has dropped something in a store a couple aisles over. And it's that, that sense of knowing that people are cleaning things up and you have to be mindful of your safety. Uh, so then there's that intuition. But in that same thought, it's all of those senses. So when I think of my wonderful clients who have sustained brain injury, before we even put a task in front of someone, we know that in many people who have sustained brain injury, this sensory, this sense of heightened perception exists and every person day to day can have one or two of those senses be particularly triggering. Like for you, Christabel, do you have a particular sense that if you think of, you know, 50 days, this one particular sense can always trigger you? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's also varied over the years with my injury. I know mm -hmm. that when I was having a lot of vision issues sight was a big, big problem. Um, light sensitivity. I can get really overwhelmed. I find wearing hats is a good coping mechanism for me. And it helps me to not get as overwhelmed because visual is a big overstimulation trigger for me. Noise can also be a big trigger for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't even talk about a diagnosis in any of those senses, yeah. right? Like that's what's 
without even having a, a labeled diagnosis, we know that the brain is trying to sort, reorganize, categorize, label all of these sensory experiencing experiences while you're engaging in whatever task you're experiencing in the world, which is why there's that inconsistency right from the bottom up. You know, the same task that even in your own home with the same sights, smells, sounds. Well, let's say it's particularly warm that day. Well, that task yesterday when there was glorious, cool breeze rolling through your house versus that task the next day when it's hot, sticky and humid, that's a variable. And we didn't change anything about the complexity of the task. Yeah. But the sensory did. Yeah. And I also find that the more tired I am, the harder it is. Uh, that's a huge, that's been a huge issue is the more tired I am, the harder it is for me to deal with environments and mm-hmm. it, a lot easier it is to get overwhelmed. Yeah. And, and there's that, that keyword like brain fog. It's this, this stimulation that, you know, when the brain is fatigued and you're asking it to process the sensory world and do a task, it's another variable on the table. And what's important when I am working with people is I love identifying, I call it the somethings. What's the something that is even below the task you're trying to accomplish? What's the something that can be impacting your brain? Well, it's usually more than one thing, but a lot of people will say, you know, one or two, I, you know, last night, uh, not a great night's sleep. I'm definitely more tired. Great. Okay. First awareness. I'll say, all right, stop and think about your six senses. Once I've gotten to know them and we've talked through this and all of a sudden these light bulbs start going off like, oh, outside someone's mowing the lawn a couple houses away and I'm totally aware of it. Okay. There's an auditory distraction and you're fatigued. Okay. What can we do? Let's go close the window. Let's do something within our sense of control. But if you're not aware of the something, you can't work to modify it. Yeah. That's such a good point. And you're talking about sensory awareness with overstimulation. Yes. So it's like, what is it that is causing that? And I love, I love that to sit and think about the different senses. And, you know, I, I would always talk about having kind of like a battle plan or battle strategy before going into somewhere that I know is going to be overwhelming. Like we just had 4th of July and a lot of people will hang out with family, friends, uh, or go and see fireworks. And my battle plan is earplugs. <laughs> like I, I don't go like the weekend of 4th of July. I need earplugs because you never really know when the fireworks are going to go off in the neighborhood or around. And it could be really jarring and really overwhelming and, um, and for anybody. And so, you know, my family, we went down and we went to see the fireworks show and I knew we were going to do it. 
There was a time I couldn't look at them, fireworks. There was many, many years I never was able to go to that. And now I go, I wear a ball cap. And, you know, if it's visually too much, I can just look down and let the ball cap cover it. I have my earplugs, you know, and so I go in with knowing that I'm visually and auditorily overstimulated and here's some strategies I can use. And so, like, if you're going to something like fireworks or a party with friends and family, you know, things where you know you're going to be overwhelmed, having a strategy in place can be helpful. What I find is the most disconcerting is when you don't know what it's going to be and when you don't expect things to overwhelm you and they do. Yes. And you start to get really symptomatic. I know for me, like, my speech will start to slur. I'll start to get really off. I'll start to feel like like, um, disassociated almost like I can't, I can't think I can't, like, I'm not, I, I I start to feel disconnected. I start to just shut down. And it, 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 in the past, it's been worse. Um, like years ago when I had my, my injuries like more fresh, but now like it's, it'll still happen, especially if I'm going into something tired. And so, yes, how would you recommend somebody kind of, how do we make a battle plan for something that we don't know is going to happen? Absolutely. Cause you know, the, the community has done a great job at, at sharing, like what are the strategies to walk in with increased success? You know, the hat, the glasses, the, the earplugs, the whatever individual things, um, you know, a certain vest that has a little bit more weight to it for a little bit of, you know, comfort and compression, whatever it is. Comfortable shoes. Comfortable shoes. I was, I was going <laughs> to add to the fireworks thing. You know, that pop boom, that's a, a, a tactile experience. You feel that. That's true. So, you know, thinking about your shoe, your footwear on the ground. Now, for some people, they would want to take their shoes off because it's better for them to feel the the ground. Other people would might want to choose their best pair of sneakers with a really great rubber sole to help cushion that because you feel it. That sound wave is you know, first has to come towards your body, then enter your ears. So even before it hits your ears with your earplugs, you felt that. So there's a sense, an an additional sense to those fireworks. Oh boy. Fireworks could be like a topic for (laughs) post-concussion every year. It also made me think of um, concerts. So like for many years, I couldn't go to concerts, but last year I went to see a band that I really love play I couldn't actually watch because of the light show at the place where I was at in my recovery last year I was doing vision exercises and part of my issue and I went to see Dr. Schmo at the Functional Neurology Center and we used the VNG goggles and he found that vertical motion was my worst thing so I would really I had to do rehab and I did exercises for like six months and now it's better and so I can actually handle scrolling on the phone where before I couldn't And it was trigger me. And I didn't know that was the trigger. I didn't know it was vertical motion until I got the test done. And so I would be like always feeling off. I didn't know why. But when I went to see this concert, I came with my earplugs, came with all that stuff. But you feel the bass, you know. You do. And then also I could watch it if they had certain lights going this way. But as soon as they did something vertical, I started to get dizzy. And I had to look away. And so I'm like listening to the band and I'm like... Okay, I can at least listen, but like I couldn't even watch like 75% of the concert because I didn't 
I didn't expect the the production and the light show to be that intense because I hadn't been to a concert since like years and years and years. Like before COVID, I'd only ever gone to like acoustic stuff. So like I hadn't it's, it was the band Need to Breathe. I love yeah. their music. And they were on tour with Switchfoot last year and we went to go see them. And I had not been to a big concert. So I forgot that they had light shows. Yeah. And it I didn't anticipate the the motion uh, affecting me so much. Well, you know what you did there is you found the something. So in that unexpected space, right, of, okay, something is getting me right now. And if you check in with that sensory system, okay, yeah. Uh, I tend to encourage people to go to the thing that they like don't typically feel too triggered by. So, you know, if it is more of a a tactile, okay. I don't tend to be triggered by this tactile as much. Okay. But right now my body feels good in space. I'm comfortable in temperature, my clothes. Okay. Tactile check. What's the something get curious again. Okay. Let me think about, am I hungry? Am I, do I, do I have to go to the bathroom? Like this, this intuition, do I feel safe in my, my environment? Okay. It's not that. All right. Let me think about uh, taste, you know, mm, I'm going to maybe a particular candy or, or a piece of gum or something that you like enjoy. I'm going to intentionally give myself that item. And then you go to the next something. All right, my ears. Ooh, you know what? I can feel this in my neck because many times sounds will be felt in the neck if you're kind of guarding against a sound. Um, Or is it that visual? Oh, my eyes are tired. I'm blinking a lot. Um, I feel like I have to look away. I feel feel this, this kind of darty sensation. Where, where do I bring my eyes? Where do I look? Okay, my something is visual. Okay. When you can find the something, then you can act. Yeah. Versus this kind of like whole body reactive. We're, now we're getting up a little bit more into the brain, right? Um, it's this, this nervous system response. The senses are what help us identify within the nervous system, you know, okay, what does my body need to do? It's a beautifully designed system because it's what keeps you safe. <laughs> yeah. I like how you said darty with the eyes. And when you said that it triggered something in me, I was like, I do that, you know, and I didn't even like, until you like described it that way, it didn't really occur to me too much. And, and so, you know, when we talk about uh, things that are triggering before it gets to that, like really like, oh boy, I'm in trouble. It's that a, a close friend, you know, you're not quite looking at the concert. They might have actually caught you in the act before you caught yourself in the act. Yeah. And visually, your system was overstimulated and it gave these kind of warning signals before it started screaming. Yeah. And so to develop that awareness for that something in the nerve, in the, the sensory system then helps you feel that nervous system, get a little more control from the nervous system where you don't get this fight, flight, freeze. And many times it's this, oh my God, get me out of here. Oh, get me out of here. (laughs) Yeah, or stores, you know, like, I mean, we're talking about things like your concert, you know, you know, know that's going to be overstimulating, but like, you know, you go into the store, maybe I could handle the grocery store last week. I go in today, I freeze. And I'm like, 
I can't, I can't handle it. I can't find what I'm going to find. And you get that frustration and you start to start to even like cry a little bit, you know, and it's like, you get this panic mode. There's that nervous system activation. So the question in, in entering that grocery store, when you get that kind of feeling is what's the something, what do I need to support? to allow myself to not get to that level. Um, sometimes that's doable and sometimes it's not. Like we're, we're going to be honest that it, it would be wonderful if we could identify the something 100% of the time. I don't believe anything's 100% of the time, um, uh, good, bad, or otherwise. <laughs> and, you know, it might be that in that particular car ride to the grocery store, there was passing clouds over the sun. So the light changes were happening as you drove to the store. And then you enter that lovely store environment with those beautiful, horrendous overhead (laughs) lighting. And your system was actually already triggered by the lighting on the drive to the store. So maybe that's where you bring out one of your um, palming techniques to reset your eyes before you go and tackle that grocery store. Or maybe it's, I'm too visually triggered. I need to go back to my car, reset and try again. Um, I Identifying the something really does help you to not get to the next level. Yeah. But it definitely takes awareness. And like, what is it that got me here? What, you what know, is it? Yeah. Because I mean, in a perfect world for somebody with a TBI, our environment would be exactly the same all the time. But like oh. you said, even things in the weather, like there's no such thing as two days that are the same. Yeah. And for those without brain injuries, maybe they can regulate it easier. Correct. us, it's like we can't make those kind of swift adjustments to, oh, it was sunny yesterday and it's raining today. Like that makes a huge difference. Like, did I remember my umbrella or do I need rain boots or did I wear sneakers that got soaking wet? You know, like I didn't expect it to rain and now my shoes are wet and now my socks are wet. And like, I hate that feeling. So that's why I'm like, you know, I always try to like, I always check the weather. I always try to make sure I'm wearing appropriate footwear when it's raining and so it's like you know those kinds of things they really do make a huge impact in how we feel and even if we're just trying to do something as simple as organize something in our home it's not simple for someone with a brain injury because it's already a cognitive task and that's kind of where we haven't quite gotten into yet but we we were talking about overstimulation of the senses like i mean that's just where we where we begin but then it's asking our brains to do a task that is going to be difficult when you have difficulties with executive functioning to begin with. So how do we do that when we are already stimulated by something in our environment? Absolutely. So we've started with the something. It's like working from the bottom up. Okay. I'm kind of attentive to my environment, my senses, my perception. I've I've brought myself to these tasks. Let's say it's an intentional task. Okay. And I've brought myself to this task with sensory awareness. Um, And you then have to kind of move your way up the ladder in attending to the task, problem solving the task. And when I think of the 
organization. What that can mean is uh, categorization. Is it sorting? Is it shape? Is it size? Is it color? Is it important versus this can wait? <laughs> That's a cognitive task, even that, that process. So you've brought in your sensory, great foundation. I love it. I, I, and then as you enter a task, you have to give yourself grace for how hard things are that we do. And there's no such thing as this, there's progress, there is progress over perfection. So it's an actionable step that you can take to get into a task. It doesn't have to be perfect, nor was it ever, nor will it ever be in the future. And if there was one thing that I wish I could say to every human being, but particularly to people who have experienced traumatic brain injury is there is perfection. You have to let go of perfection. Um, It didn't exist prior to the injury. It won't exist in the middle of an injury after an injury or in the end of your life. There's no such thing. And we hold when we start getting into the recovery of brain injury, we ask you to think about how you do tasks. And as soon as we ask you to start thinking about it, there's this tendency to say like, I totally can do this. I totally could have done this. I should be able to do this. The, I would have been able to do this. There wasn't perfection before and there can't be perfection after. And the willingness to recognize that in any given day, every sensory experience, every cognitive experience that happens is different than the day before. It's different than the next day. And there's this beautiful thing that you get to say, okay, well, let's see how this goes. Let's get (laughs) curious how it goes. Um, Versus like, I should, I have to, I must. Um, and I, I would have been able to do this. There's such a gift in releasing of that perfection. Yeah, that's so good. It, I think we get really frustrated with ourselves. And I just had a, did an episode on this talking about setbacks after brain injury and how we get really frustrated comparing ourselves to ourselves And, you know, comparing myself to myself before, it's like, yeah, we we might know not to compare ourselves to other people, but when we compare ourselves to ourselves, that's even more discouraging and frustrating because it's like, I'm not, I can't expect my brain to act the same way every day. And then that's frustrating too. And I, I can relate this a little bit to, I'm a singer and my voice teacher would tell me, you know, your singing voice is going to be different every day. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, how hydrated you are, how much sleep you got, like your body is your instrument. And so people who are professional vocalists work really hard on their lifestyle, especially if they're like on Broadway or, you know, I mean, I don't do anything like that. But like if they're like, you know, having to sing in optimal 
singing strength every day. The, it, every single thing that goes into their body, they're like everything they eat, everything they drink, like everything that they do, it affects their instrument. And I remember my voice teacher telling me this many years ago. I was like, I never really thought about it like that. Yeah. And, you know, even every single part of our body is affected by our environment, by our hydration, by how we sleep. And it's important to identify those things to understand where it's coming from and to not be so hard on yourself. And I think that's what you were saying. Like there's no such thing as perfection and we can't expect ourselves to be able to do everything all the time. So that, that might be a different conversation, but you know, building some margin into our lifestyle and in some space into our days so that we're not overscheduled and frustrating ourselves and putting our brain in highly stressful situations all the time. Cause it's just not attainable and not possible. Well, and again, does it, does it serve you? And, and, and this is regardless of whether you've experienced a brain injury or not overdoing a day, did it serve you? Did the tasks serve your needs, your desires, your passion? Um, did it feed your soul? Did it, did it do something? Yeah, there are some things that we, we they're, they're the have tos. Okay. There are some, we can't deny that, but there's a lot of things that we quote should do. Um, I really tend to be mindful of shoulds. Uh, and <laughs> you know, those are the things that if they aren't feeding you energy, are they taking your energy? And that will lead to the next task you go into feeling completely fatigued and heightened at a sensory experience because you've overdone it. You've overdone it. And, you know, I think of this from a, um, a patient's perspective as well. Um, patients as in, um, the energy to uh, stay neutral. <laughs> Not like patients, like we're patients of a doctor, but patients Correct. like fruit of the spirit patients. Like yes. P-A-T-I-E-N-C-E. Yes. Wait, did so, I spell that right? Yes, you did. <laughs> okay. you did. Um, it, this is, you know, when you want to do a task, when you're energized to do a task, when you're choosing to engage in a task, you find that your patience for it is much higher. And that's because the sensory system is allowing you to do that. And also it's fueling you from an energy perspective, whether it's, like I said, something you, you pass, you're really passionate about or, or energized by. Um, it's kind of how I feel about my work. Something you want to do. Yeah. Not something you feel like you're obligated to do. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And if you stack a bunch of shoulds on top of each other, you're really zapping your ability to do the things you want to do. Yeah, that's such a good point. I love this. I feel like we could keep chatting, but we are running low on time. Yeah. So what are your last encouraging words you would have for those who've sustained a brain injury? Words of hope. Be gentle with yourself. And I don't mean that necessarily physically. I mean that in the sense of Gently curious, observe, Um, have a good laugh when you screw up, like 
like really like ask yourself, have a good conversation out loud. Like, oh, wonder what I was thinking on that one. <laughs> um, because as soon as you release that, your 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 experience, your sensory experience calms down. You found yourself smiling. You found yourself kind of more attuned to the moment. Uh, you're more likely to pay attention to something that is throwing you off. Uh, it, it's so funny in that when you are in a great conversation with someone, like like right now, um, the attention is maintained. Um, but when you start to feel that kind of drift or let's say a fly passes through the room and, and it's really, it's not just there. It's like now caught your attention. You know that it's time to kind of wrap things up and have a laugh about it. Hey, uh, I didn't notice this fly in my office earlier, but now I notice it. It's taking my attention. I'm distracted. And I know that this is the perfect opportunity for us to wrap up because I feel my brain. I'm visually distracted auditorily. I hear that annoying buzz. (laughs) And now I know I'm not cognitively giving you the maximum. So you can have a laugh about these sensory things. Give yourself grace in these sensory awarenesses. Find the somethings that are causing you the very early warning signals. And use all the beautiful tools that I know you possess because for people who have sustained brain injury, I have never, I will say one of the greatest gifts that I continually see in this community is awareness for all that you are in the world sensory. You're attending to your needs. There's this heightened attention. And at first it was a burden. I encourage you to see it as a gift because it's what allows you to continually up the game. And if you can do it from a sensory level, you can keep climbing, keep climbing that cognitive ladder. That's good. I love it. I love how you transform the burden into a blessing. Cause you know, I was thinking while you're talking, when you first have a brain injury, you don't have a choice because you are so overwhelmed by everything. Most of the case, most of the time, every injury is different. I'm not going to, make broad generalizations. But I do think anytime the brain is affected, it's going to affect the way the brain functions and the way that you perceive the world and the way that you interact with the world. And it's overwhelming. Like we say, overstimulation, overwhelming. I think that is one of the symptoms that most of us share is that feeling of overstimulation, overwhelming. So thank you for giving us some tools today and for helping us to transform how we look at it. And I really hope this helps people. I love that example of really thinking about what affected your environment, what changed from yesterday, what things are impacting you, what sense is getting overwhelmed when you're in these moments. And it can help you to process it. It can help you to not blame yourself so much and not be so frustrated as to why does this keep happening. But let's identify and figure out yeah. Why does it keep happening? Let's you've, figure it out. <laughs> you've worked so hard for the toolbox you've built. So now being able to say like, okay, the something is 
and I'm going to pop open this toolbox that I've built and put all this energy and time and money into, I know that it's this sense that's throwing me off. And I know that these resources, these tools, these widgets, these strategies, all right, pull them all out, go do the thing. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much, Taryn. You're so encouraging. I love how you speak, how you share. And thanks for making this your first podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Christabel. (laughs) And I I really hope that when this is heard, um, it speaks into someone that's listening um, and people can absolutely feel free. Please send me a win in whatever way you want to share because I love celebrating a win when somebody has that aha moment. So please feel free to share with me and or and or ask questions. Um, yeah, because speaking I of love it. Yeah, I was gonna ask, how can people get in touch with you? What yeah. I'll put I'll put the information in the show notes, but you can just also say it here. Absolutely. So one of the 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 biggest ways I've been out there and and I my fun alter ego, as I like to call her, is on, on Instagram um, at Taryn underscore the well brain. So you can send me a DM there um, or an email is always, always an option. You know, as a speech pathologist, whatever form of communication serves someone, whether it's a typed note, a voice note, a video note, I am amenable to all communication forms. So whatever serves the person looking to reach to me, go for it. I will make it work. The email address to best reach me at is thewellbrainslp, for speech language pathologist, at gmail.com. So between Facebook, uh, Instagram, or email, or my website, thewellbrainslp.com, any of those methods, because I want the communication to serve the person who wants to reach me. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Taryn. This was a great episode. Thanks, Christabel. It was wonderful being here. I appreciate you very much. And you're doing a beautiful job reaching the community. So keep doing what you're doing because it's a beautiful expression of your heart. Thank you. That means a lot. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning in to Hope Survives Podcast. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned as more episodes will be coming each week. And check out hopeafterheadinjury.com for more. I'll see you next time. And remember, there's always hope.